butterfly. Wow! Look how it just floats in the air. So carefree, so beautiful. Hey, let's follow it to see where it goes. Welcome to another episode of Retrovaniacs. As always, I'm your host, Jeremy Parmentier, and I'm here with Jeremy Gregory. Hey there. And Billy Holiday. Hello. And this week we're going to try a game on the Sega CD. It's the first time we've gone to the Sega CD for a game called Mansion of the Hidden Souls. This was one of Billy's selections. But before we get to that magnificent game, every week we like to ask each other, what have you been playing? So, Billy, what have you been playing? Well, I, I, my answer doesn't change much from last week. I've been playing a lot of uh, Call of Duty, even more Fallout 4. And after our last episode where Jeremy spoke of his uh, his his liking for the, the whole, you know, settlement building and the, the managing of, of settlers and, you know, building shops and whatnot, I, I gave it a try and instantly uh, became hooked and out of the maybe the last 10 or so hours I put into Fallout, I... I pretty much have barely left my town. Uh, yeah, it's got something to it. And I, I really usually don't like that kind of thing, but I am just, uh, here I am, I'm just moving cat pictures around town and, and, and chairs and just a whole bunch of non-exciting things that I'm very excited about. Well, I still don't have Fallout 4, uh, but I would love to play it. Have you been playing a lot more of that, Jeremy? I've been playing my fair share of it as well. I, I've been trying to actually... Try to get through the um, the story missions, force myself through them, so I'm not just constantly sitting at my settlement, trying to make the perfect uh, wacky shack for for my settlers. It, it's it's incredibly tempting <clears throat> tempting to just sit there and make buildings and and assign people to different tasks and things like that, and put you can actually dress them. I don't know if Billy touched on this or not, but you can. Uh, one of the big things about defending your settlement is you need to armor your your uh, settlers up. So you have to go out and either make armor or uh, find armor off of other raiders or other things, and then and then equip them to your your settlers. So not only are you building up your your whole settlement to, so you can, it can withstand an attack, but you're also playing dress up with your with your settlers as well. So. This is ba- basically just turned into like a Barbie simulator for me at this point, and uh, <laughs> I'm still really liking it. I I may eventually get get past those story uh, the story missions, but right now I'm totally content to still just sit right inside my settlement. Yeah, and I I actually I found out about the uh, the, the fact that you could could dress them up, and I know it's to armor them up, but right now I'm dedicating myself to making a town full of greasers. And I, I have two people so far in the full get-up, and hopefully more to come. Well, that doesn't make me feel like I'm missing out on much, but I guarantee I'd still love this game if I wasn't the last person on Earth to own a current system. I guess the most current system I own is, a, is the Wii U, which I, is arguably current. Um, and I did just get a new game. I got Xenoblade Chronicles X, mm. uh, which I, I love the original Xenoblade Chronicles. I don't know if either of you guys were big fans. Um, this This game is different from the original in that... It 
it doesn't really have a story. I mean, there is a story, but it's almost like a World of Warcraft has a story, you know? It, it leads you to other parts of the map, but ultimately, I think this game's about exploration and about multiplayer, which I will probably never do. So I don't know if I'm going to get the fullest level out of Xenoblade Chronicles, but what I do like is the exploration. The maps are massive. I mean, they're huge. They're bigger than, than most other games I can think of. Uh, you get to kind of free roam, and, and clearly if things are too big for you, the, the levels show up on the monsters. So if, you, you know, if you're near a monster and you highlight it, it'll say, like, oh, it's level 20, and it's like, don't fight this guy. You're level 5. What are you doing? Um, so it's, it's all about kind of leveling up and branching out and, and learning the whole map. At least so far, I'm, I'm all of five hours into it, so I can't say I know everything about the game yet, but uh, very, very into it. It's, it's an MMO without uh, having to play with other people so far, which is enjoyable for me. Does this have anything at all to do with the old like Xenogears and, and Xenosaga games? Because I really like those, but I've never played uh, this, this new, newfangled thing that you guys play. No. Not at all. It, it's if it's connected, it's very loosely connected based on you know the company that made it or a developer. But there's nothing story wise that connects any of those together. And I'm not even sure that Xenoblade Chronicles X is in any way tied to Xenoblade Chronicles. <laughs> all right um, then. <laughs> based based on what I've seen so far, it is not. But I also have tried really really hard not to read anything about the game other than than some basic reviews and some basic um, gameplay summaries of of. You know, there, there's different classes almost that you pick. It's not a class, but it's almost like an organization you join that changes the, how missions affect you, kind of, um, in a very MMO way. Like, a lot of the missions, you go to a mission board, and there's all these things to go do. Go out into this field and kill these four things and come back with their hooves or whatever the, the you know, MMO-style quest is. I, I kind of like those, but at the same time, it, it does get a little tiring. But since the point of this appears to be exploration, which is my favorite part of any of those games, I'm really, really enjoying it, so... I definitely like to play it. It looks really cool. I mean, just looking at the, uh, I, I watched some of the video video reviews, and it, it really seems neat to explore because that mm-hmm. that whole uh, is is it like a planet that you're on or whatever. It it looks really awesome. Just just the way it looks, and you really just kind of want to go out and explore every inch of it. Yeah, it's it's an alien planet that essentially your your ship, which is a, like an. Ex- an escape ship from Earth crashes on this ship two months before you start the game. You're woken up from stasis, and all of a sudden you have this new world to go in, but with enough of a basic civilization to go to as a home base that it's not, you know, it's not, oh, we've been here for years, and now you're, you know, we need your help to go five feet outside of the building. Instead, it's like, yeah, we've been around for two months. We're finally starting to branch out, and conveniently, you also show up at the same time. So, you, you know, it's, it makes sense that a lot of stuff is not explored, but it also makes sense to have, like, a home base that is more than just, a, you know, a, a tent and a wagon, so... I'm really enjoying it. It's, it's more futuristic by far than the original Xenoblade Chronicles was. Um, you know, I'll, I'll find out more as I get into it if the multiplayer is worth playing or not. Uh, but I imagine since since I did you know play World of Warcraft for seven years that I'll, I'll find some enjoyment in this. But hopefully, I'll have time to play it more and pull myself away from this week's game. Oh, good luck! Mansion of Hidden Souls for the Sega CD. <laughs>
Where am I? How can this be? There was no mansion here before. You know, you know, this was my pick. Yeah, this is my pick. And this is, and even after playing through it again, it's been several years. Uh, I'm, I'll, I'll show my hand early. This is still one of my favorite games. I mean, it. I don't think many people have the conflict of, of weighing which one is better, uh, Link to the Past or Mansion of Hidden Souls. I have that conflict. You will. Uh, by no the end one has of this ever said podcast, that You'll either agree with me, or you will uh, just feel bad for the poor old man that is so blinded by nostalgia. Well, I guess before we get into to what we thought of the game, we should probably explain the game itself. Uh, it is a, a mist style adventure game, as opposed to a like a classic Sierra adventure game. It's it's point and click. But again, it's on a console, so you really can't point and click. Although apparently, it does use the mouse. I'm sure none of us played it with the Sega mouse, <laughs> no. um, or possibly even on a Sega system. But uh, you did originally, and I don't know if you did this time, Billy. But uh, I, I did get it back out to, uh, and, and we'll talk about it when we speak on the graphics. I got it out to to test some theories. <laughs> yeah, on, on an emulator, it did not look great. I, I'm. It has not aged well graphically. I can see what they were aiming to do. It's a lot of. Uh, I think it's supposed to be full motion video capture on everything. It is. Uh, or just at least digitized photos. Uh, it is clunky looking now. It, it is not aged very well. And I don't know. I didn't have another game that was similar to this to check to see if they were all very similar to this uh, as far as age goes. My memory of, of those older CD games, because I had a TurboGrafx CD. Uh, like I had the Sherlock Holmes game, which was another very similar style <laughs> game where you, you did interviews with people that were all video clips, but then you would go into to crime scenes and other places to to find evidence and that was all done in this full motion video style i remember it looking better but i didn't check it i didn't i don't have a copy of it anymore because it's terrible and i didn't check like a video of it to see if it looks any different but this game there are parts of it that if it wasn't for that you're in a clearly in a mansion in a house i wouldn't know what room i'm in i wouldn't know what the setting is i wouldn't know what i'm supposed to see this is like the worst performing full motion video i've ever seen in my life I actually could not play this from start to finish in one sitting. You can. It's a very short game. But I could only play it for about 10 to 15 minutes at a time because it's so clunky. I mean, this thing is – I'm not exaggerating when I I say this thing is running at like two frames per second in some areas and possibly lower in in some of the scenes because this thing is just – it is like – it is just a a slideshow. You can't – it's I, there's no other way to, to describe it. It's it hurts my brain to play it. Now we both played it on emulators. I'm pretty sure. Billy, did you play this? You said you pulled out your Sega CD to test this. Well, you know, I, I started on the emulator and and I got on there and I was like, man, yeah, I, I don't quite recall it looking like this. So I, I played mostly on the emulator. I I got out the uh, the Sega CD. Oh, I dug around in the basement and I pulled out the old, the old 32-inch tube. I, I hooked it up, and you know, it, it, I mean, it's marginally better. I just think the Sega CD is just, and in, in, in general, I, I tested it out with a little uh, Slam City with Scotty Pippen right after that. That's a, that's certainly a future review for us. But uh, yeah, I mean that that the Sega CD full motion video just has not aged well. I mean, it's very dated. I mean, this is a podcast about old games. I mean, all we deal in is, is you know, dated uh, 
graphics. But yeah, this is probably one of the worst instances I can say. I mean, I, I've memorized pretty much the entire game. I know where I'm going. I know, you know, what's what. But I, this might actually, I could say, this is one that, you know, some people, uh, it's okay at the opening scene. Once you get into the mansion, into the entryway, uh, it doesn't look so bad. Once you go into that first room, yeah, it, it looks rough, and that might be a point where a lot of people kind of reconsider uh, what they're doing with their time, and a lot of people might turn it off right there on the spot. But I, I do implore you to continue playing, though. The The graphics don't get any better, but I, I, I still think it's very enjoyable. This whole game just looks broken to me. Like It looks like somebody could not quite get this game looking the way they wanted it to. I, I realize this is a really old game, but man, playing it on this on the even on the emulator, it, it it looks so chunky and bad and slow and just broken. I, I can't it, I've never seen anything like this. I, I played D before back on like three DO and I remember being pretty it, it looked pretty good back then, but I know it doesn't now, but I w- actually went and looked at a, a video of D on YouTube to see what what it looks like now, and it looks a thousand times better than this. And of course, you can say it's the Sega CD and all that stuff, but good God, does this thing just look awful! What makes that more impressive is that this is an original Sega CD game, right? It, it's not a port of a PC game. It's not uh, a port of something on a, on a stronger system. It was made for this system, so you figure it would really push what the system can do and, and at least know what its weaknesses are and not fall into them but instead it it just looks really bad i mean i thought it was a port of something else i was sure it had to be a port of a like because mist itself came out before this game looks far far better i mean there were still parts of mist that did not age well as far as graphically there's a lot of things when they move you can see that it's clearly a video clip in a much nicer digital picture but it doesn't look like this this is <laughs> this looks like like something that was supposed to be on a, a PlayStation 2 and they're like let's dumb it down to Sega CD and that's what we've got i thought that this was actually seventh guest i realized this today <laughs> when i was talking to you i was like oh oh my god this isn't this isn't seventh guest this is its own game so i originally thought that this was ported from the original pc release but that was just that wasn't even the uh, the same game this is its own game. It was made originally for the Sega CD, and it was later ported to the Saturn, which I think Billy looked into. We'll get to that later. But this was a Sega CD exclusive game, so that it's it's kind of mind-boggling that it looks this bad. At least it's full screen. Well, and it is an adventure game, and graphics aren't everything. If there's anything that I think we can all agree on with, with only covering retro games there's many games that don't look pretty in 2015 that still are some of the best games ever made so perhaps if you can look past the graphics this game is a good adventure game i don't understand what this game is about i finished it i beat it i played it from start to finish i can't tell you what the story is The best I could put together, and, and I've played it many times over the years, and you know, and I think there's one point 
and, and this kind of falls into the, I'll talk about it in a minute, it kind of falls into the, the sound category. One point where I think they really try to explain it, uh, but uh, you, you really have a hard time hearing it. Uh, I mean, you, you're, you're, uh, there's some kind of urban legend your, your grandmother has passed along about uh, children you know, uh, going to a certain tree out in the forest uh, that butterflies gather around uh, when there's a full moon. And if they go there, they will in turn turn into one. And it seems that, uh, I guess, every few years this mansion appears, any child that goes into it is going to be not, not necessarily killed, but they are going to be transformed into a butterfly, stuck there forever, etc., etc. So you are kind of just on a mission to, to rescue your sister. And if you can get her out of the mansion before, I believe it's midnight, uh, you'll break the curse. Uh, if you don't, you're, you're both stuck and, and turn into butterflies. Essentially, and and, I, and one thing, yeah, I don't think graphics necessarily, uh, obviously, don't make a game. We all we all agree on that. Uh, but I, I think this game had a lot of good things going for it, and I think the except for the one thing I'm going to complain about with the sound, I thought the music was excellent. Which uh, when I listen to it, they, they are very small, maybe uh, seven to ten second loops played over and over. But I always thought it's very pleasant, and I think it gives the game... There's a good sense of atmosphere in this game, I thought. And, that, and that's the one thing that keeps bringing me back to play it over and over again. I think it's a good game. Uh, 30 to 45 minutes, kind of once you get it down. It's just a real relaxing playthrough. And I thought the music played a good part in that. I thought they did well in the sound department. Uh, voice acting, I mean, it's the typical you know, mid-90s voice acting. If you if you were fine with the voice acting in that first Resident Evil, uh, this one's no no more offensive. Yeah, it's actually better than some of the bad examples of voice acting. The only thing I would say on this is that there's... It's not fast. So there's a major pause before someone would say something. Like, as you're walking through this mansion trying to figure out how to save your sister and, and how to get into these locked doors and things, um, there, there are other people who were formerly people that are now butterflies that fly around the room and, and talk to you and say things like, you'll never make it out from here. You should just leave. Wait a minute. That butterfly you're holding is still red. What do you think you're doing? Its beautiful shape will be destroyed, and it'll turn back into an ugly human if you keep carrying it around like that. Uh, but they're, they're extremely slow. So like you'll get into the, the, the room, and all of a sudden everything freezes, and you can tell something's going to happen. And then this you know one frame per second butterfly falls into the screen and will start talking to you very slowly uh i mean not not so slowly that you think it's a problem with the audio but just you know very very clearly spoken but there's a, a definite load time in between when they start talking and uh, and when the previous action would have ended so they'll come in and there'll be a, a good size pause you should get out quickly i'm here with your sister and it's just it's it's a little distracting. I'm sure at the time that would have been impressive. I remember there are definitely games that, um, yeah, I don't know if you guys played the Ease series, but there's a part in Ease 3, uh, which is on the TurboGrafx version, where there's all this text that comes across, and the last thing it says is, Monsters came out of nowhere. And then there's this long pause where you can hear the disc loading around, and then this guy goes, Monsters, they came out of nowhere. That's <laughs> what this reminded me of every time they talked. I don't think, the, I mean, the Sega CD only had like a 1x read speed, didn't it? I, I, it was super slow. Uh, that would explain it, but it, it's been so long since I've had my Sega CD, and even when I had it, I didn't have a whole lot of these these video games. I uh, video games come out full motion video games. Um, I had you know I had the the role playing games, the Lunars, and things like that. There was some voice acting, but it it didn't have this kind of 
of slowdown and delay when things like that happened. It was a lot more smoother, maybe because they were later. Yeah, and, and like you're saying, the voices, yeah, they're slow, but they're very clear. And, and they're clear throughout the entire game, except at one point. Uh, you, you finally you find your sister, and she is she's in butterfly form. But they they inform you, you know there, there's still time uh, to change her back to human. And the uh, this this being called the the hunter shows up, and he he explains to you he you know he owns the mansion. He's the one that's you know collecting these souls and turning them into butterflies. And he goes on, and he may very well tell you the exact his exact motivations behind it. Uh, he may explain the entire plot to you in great detail, but it is the only point in time in the game where they don't bring the music down while someone is talking. Instead, the the, the music seems to swell while this fellow is just expounding all this to you. So, and I've I tried several times. I, I played through this part twice. I looked up a walkthrough on YouTube and put my ear up all the way up to the phone to try to listen. I tried to put it on a computer with headphones. You really, there's a good deal of what is probably the most important, you know, spiel in the game that you just can't hear because it's the one time that they didn't dial down the the music while someone was talking. Yeah, I got there. I wasn't sure if that was just because I was playing it not on a Sega CD, but I'm assuming that's been the problem the whole time because I, I looked for a walkthrough as well just to see um, after I was finished what that segment said, and I could never make it out either. So I'm sure they explained everything, uh, probably the, the, the plot of many other games. It wouldn't have mattered. You couldn't hear a word of it, uh, and that, that didn't help. It didn't help with the fact that I didn't understand what was going on. I, I clearly didn't have a manual. So there were, uh, for example, to save the game, you find a diary early on in the game, and you, you open it up, and it, and it counts one, two, three on different pages. And when you push the button, it makes a little tingle bell sound. Well, I didn't know what that meant. I didn't know that that was saving. Nothing in anywhere said saving or anything else. I thought that was part of a puzzle. So I spent the first half an hour I tried playing this game walking into all these rooms just pushing the save button over and over again because I thought it was some <laughs> kind of a trigger. I was like, this has to do something. This stupid diary doesn't do a thing. So I finally went and looked for a manual, and it was like, oh, that's how you save. I'm dumb. But yeah, I, I clearly wasted half an hour of time saving in every room in the mansion. I, I spent a lot of time in this game actually trying to, to overthink it. It was, uh, you call this game an adventure game. It's more, it's, it's more just a, a, a glorified key finder. For the most part, you're not solving any sort of puzzles or anything throughout this entire game. You're basically just wandering into rooms and then going up uh, to every camera angle you can find, interacting with it and seeing if a camera falls in, onto the screen or you move a pillow and you find a key or there's a key around the side of a, a bookcase or something like that. So you can go open another door that was locked before. That's so fucking boring to me. And I think for the first, well, the 90% of this game, I was actually trying to find puzzles or overthinking it, thinking that the stuff that I was finding was for puzzles that I just didn't know about yet. Turns out there's only two puzzles in the entire game, and then the rest of them is just finding keys. So, yeah, I, I totally did that as well, where I was just, every little thing was, I, I was like, man, this has got to be a, a clue for a puzzle that's down the road or something, and it's not. Yeah, we, when we talked about earlier that you, you brought up, you're like, I think there's only two puzzles in this game, and, and I didn't realize it when I was playing it, but I thought about it. I'm like, yeah, you're right. There literally is two real puzzles that take any sort of thought, and I don't even know if the second one makes any sense. Um, 
we're going to go ahead and spoil this game, I'm sure, but no one's going to find this and play it anyway, I'm sure. Uh, the, the two puzzles we're talking about, there's a candle puzzle and then the end puzzle with the doors. So the candle puzzle, actually it tells you what to do. If you read that book in the library, there's a book that, that more or less explains this puzzle. I think pretty clearly it was, I mean, Billy, you'd play this a million times, so you knew the puzzle anyway. Yeah. But, but that one I thought was pretty well telegraphed, but still not not a gimme. I mean, you had to think a few minutes about it, and then you're like, oh, okay, I get this. And, and it was pretty clear that you have to you know, set, uh, take out some candles and light other candles based on how it's organized in the room based on this, this picture you saw. But and that's the, the only one that even comes close to being an actual puzzle because you can find that before you actually get the, um, the matches. And so you just don't really know what's going on with that. But later on, you'll find the matches, and you're like, oh, okay, well, I can extinguish this, uh, this candle and I can light this other candle. That's as close as that game ever gets to, to an actual real puzzle. The doors, I have no clue what the fuck was going on with those. It just seems complete random. Yeah. You know, and, and, and I, I really actually I couldn't tell you because I, I remembered what the, the key was to those doors at the end. And, and you know, cover your ears. Here's a, a spoiler on how to finish that one. Uh, you're looking for doors that have a three in them, or if you add up all the numbers, they are divisible by three. That's garbage. And I don't know. I, I just remembered it, so, I, you know, I went straight to it. And I can't tell you for the life of me how I first discovered it. I don't know where that uh, that clue is at in the game. I mean, clearly, uh, it's got to be there somewhere for me to have figured it out to begin with. But yeah, I'm not quite sure where you find that one. I found the clue for that. And, and again, I, I have to argue that that clue is... Unless there is another clue that I didn't find, the clue that I did find is in the black painting. And we didn't talk about the black painting, but in one room in the house... There is a painting that has nothing in it. And if you go up to it, it will flash a picture of the room you need to go to next. It's kind of a nice clue if you're stuck on what to do. Um, it also meant that for parts of the game, I literally would go to the room with the black painting, see what room it told me to go to, go to that room, find the thing I'm supposed to find, which most of the time was a key, and then would walk back to that black painting and see what room it told me to go to next. I didn't bother searching rooms for things. I was just like, you know what, if this picture is going to tell me where to go, that's how I'm going to play this game. So when I got to that point in the game, I, you know, I went to the black painting and it shows you those uh, door that looks like the doors you have to go into. And, and the doors puzzle, basically, it's a bunch of connected rooms that all four sides are doors and they have numbers written on them. And if you go into the wrong one, it takes you back out to the main hallway, the main room. And if you go to the right one, eventually it takes you to the exit that if you have the right item, you can leave the mansion and save your sister, assuming you do it in time. The, when you go to the black painting, it shows you the door, and it's a, a knock sound. It's three knocks. And that's how you're supposed to know that it's divisible by three. That's a terrible clue. I thought it was a doors that have a three on them, because in the second set of doors, for example, there's a, uh, one that says 678, and one that says 345, and one that says 44. So I went to the one that says 345, because clearly it has a three in it. Well, that wasn't right. It was 678, because if you add those numbers up, you get 21. That's divisible by three. That is a terrible puzzle. That's that's completely that's that's just awful. That is totally just the developer being like, guess what I'm thinking right here, because unless you you knew that, you know, by some crazy way of thinking, there's no way you would have ever figured that out before. Well, and then it's not even that the number that's on the door is divisible by three. It's that if you add up the digits of the number, 
that you would get. So six, seven, eight, you, you know, six, seven, eight is on the door. So you add up six, seven, and eight, and you get 21. You're like, okay, well, 21 is divisible by three, so that's the number. No one would ever think of that, which is why no. there has to be another clue in the mansion that I missed somewhere. Because there were definitely things in the mansion that were either red herrings or were just maybe they're part of a puzzle that I didn't find. I, I imagine that's not true, but the one I keep thinking of is that tuning fork. You go to a music room that ultimately is nothing but a key behind a picture frame, and and other than that, there's a tuning fork on the couch that every time you pick it up, it rings it, and it's a tone, and there's all these other musical instruments around the room, so I was sure maybe I had to like match a tone on an instrument and make a, a door open or something fall out of the sky or who knows. I played around with that tuning fork for longer than I did the diary because at that point, I knew the diary saved. The tuning fork was a whole new thing. It has to do something. It does nothing. No, you, you just... You're wasting time trying to make this game more than it is because literally it's it, it's it just seems like it's a red herring. But let's all right. You you mentioned you you do save your sister at the end. You make it out of the mansion. Uh, you break the curse. I had, and I, and, uh, this will probably demonstrate how much I overthought things in my younger years. I had a moral dilemma with the ending to this game. And Jeremy may have had a moral dilemma with playing this game. I had one with the ending. <laughs> Uh, it's stated by, uh, uh, by more than one of, of the butterflies in the residence that if you're able to break this curse on your sister, not only is she returned to human form, but all butterflies within the mansion are, are going to revert back to human uh, and, and their appropriate age. One is, is very upset that you know she came in as a child. She's been there for years. Uh, if, if the curse is broken, she's going to be an adult. She doesn't want to be an adult. You know, some have been there. Uh, much longer. Some are going to be elderly when they get out. Uh, some are have probably been there so long they will just be dead when the the curse is lifted. And, and I just, uh, you know, your sister's there uh, by her own free will, out of her own foolishness, and so are you. You're there trying to save her. But uh, but at one point uh, you have to think, uh, why are you are who are you to value uh, your sister's life over uh, these countless people? in this mansion, many of which do not want to be turned human, many of which are very happy with their life as butterflies in this mansion. And, and that's something that sat with me, and I don't quite know how I feel about about ruining so many lives and ending so many. I think these people just made bad life choices. If they want to turn into butterflies, then, you know, more power to them. But a lot of these... these um, butterflies were kind of assholes anyway there was only one that was kind of friendly and uh that was the one that was in the uh the den i guess mm-hmm. but just about the other all the other ones that were in there were just kind of assholes you know they were just shirking their responsibilities they didn't want to grow up they didn't want to you know get old or something like that and it's kind of their own fault you know they if you're going to turn into a butterfly you know there's going to be a bad ending to that somewhere so I, I, I can see where you're coming from, but I think they kind of made these um, these character these people out to be uh, people you wouldn't really, you know, th- they got what they got in the end. So you're saying there's a there's a calculated risk you must take when when undertaking life as a butterfly. I think so. I mean, you don't just make that decision lightly. I mean, I generally most days wonder what it would be like to be a butterfly but i'm not about to be just to say like hey you know i want to be a butterfly because it's not going to end up well now you put too much thought into this i want to be a butterfly now really 
Well, luckily, in the few ways in this game that you can die, you get to watch yourself turn into a butterfly, I think. I'm not really sure. There's only two <laughs> ways that I saw to Well, I guess three, because I didn't run out of time. I, I assume if you run out of time by midnight, you turn into a butterfly. I did not run out of time. Uh, as bad as the door puzzle is, even not understanding the logic to it, you have so much time to escape the mansion, you can trial and error your way out of those doors, which is what I did. And I assume everyone does. And there's actually, I don't know if you guys encountered it, uh, when, when time starts to run down on you. Uh, and I think, I think it's when you're, you know, you're kind of on the last stretch. Uh, you're going to run out of time soon. If you re- did any of you revisit the, the, the other rooms? No. The, the re- if you go back, there are, are scenes that you can only see right then with uh, whatever butterflies that, that take up that room kind of floating off in, in space almost. Uh, the room's no longer, you open the door, you have a black void. Uh, with stars and and the butterflies floating around, uh, most delivering a uh, you know their feelings on the, the the idea that this all may be coming to an end, and this you know further fuels uh, what I was saying. Most are are pretty sad about it. Some have have come to accept this, and but yeah, it's it's just a scene that you can for anybody that may be, uh, well, the, all of you they're going to rush off to play this after listening. Uh, it's just a scene you can catch right there in the last few moments of the game. There's still time to watch that, though. Go do the door thing and get out. Oh, I, that's that's kind of cool. I mean, for I don't like this game, but I think that's a kind of a cool, neat little touch to throw in there that uh, they, they probably didn't need to do, especially with how little sense this whole story makes anyway. I, I didn't hate this game, to be fair. I mean, it, it wasn't a good game. Uh, I, I wouldn't recommend it to anybody. I mean, if you're a hardcore you know, missed fan and you want more games like that, but you want one that doesn't take a whole lot of thought, then maybe this is the one for you. Um, you know, like we said, the graphics didn't age well. It's very, very slow. And it is very short. I mean, once you know what you're doing, yeah, half an hour, in and out, done. Um, but I, I did enjoy playing it. I thought that the house did have some some very good uh, ambiance. I thought it did feel like it, it was a kind of an abandoned house, but not a decrepit house. Just a, an abandoned house that had these weird butterfly people in it. Um, until I realized there were no puzzles in it, I actually thought it was pretty pretty interesting to go through the rooms and find all the stuff until you, you realize it's just trial and error. But, uh, but I, I mean, to play through it once, I, I didn't get bored, and I think that's partially because of how, how short it was. And I thought once you go to the basement section, um, you find the hidden, hidden pathway to the basement or underground section where there's that, like, a statue man that's kind of at the end of this long hallway. That was genuinely kind of creepy. I like that. Yeah, and you fa- you found out that's one of the, the few uh, ways you can actually, besides time running out, that you, I guess, can supposedly uh, die in this game. Yes, if you if you when you first go grab your sister from the basement room and you hear the long speech that you can't hear because of the music, if you if you go out into the hallway and then turn back to the statue man, he stands up and essentially just smothers you to death, uh, or smothers you into a butterfly because I don't think you really die. But that was generally creepy. That whole hallway has a like a it's not a like an involved soundtrack, but it's like this little slow dirge thing that I thought was a, a good touch. That whole hallway, if the whole game was like that, I would have had a much better review of this game. 
Um, but that said, you know, I enjoyed it start to finish because it was something I had never played. I will never play it again. I don't understand how Billy has played it a thousand times. I would play this never, ever again. But let for me one tell you, time, I played it a thousand. I'll play it a thousand more. Uh, this is a game, like I said at the beginning, it's one of my favorites. It's a game that I can just sit back. Uh, yeah, I've got a lot of good memories around it. I, I mean, I got this game. I, I think I mentioned it the last podcast. I had to uh, berate and yell at an elderly Kmart employee to get this game. And uh, it just it has a lot of fond memories besides that. Uh, a lot of times I remember just sitting down playing it. It was something that I would just play because uh, once you got it down, uh, 30 minutes, uh, it's something I could get up in the morning uh, if I got up a little early, I could play through it, finish it, eat my breakfast, go to school. Uh, and I did that several times over. Uh, and it's something I pop in every few years. And, you know, I'll, I'll play it again eventually. Uh, it's it's just one of those games that, yeah, I, I can't really uh, fully explain why I like it so much. But it, it's just right up my alley, I guess. And... Uh, yeah, Jeremy, I believe, had mentioned it earlier that uh, this was not the end of Mansion of Hidden Souls. It, it got a uh, not a sequel, but a, a somewhat remake on the Sega Saturn of all places. Where it was guaranteed for critical success. Yes, of course. Well, actually, th- this game was received uh, very well at the time, the, the Sega CD version. The Saturn version, however, was not. I played it for the better part of about 10 minutes and I, I didn't have much time and even if i did have more time i would have put it to better use than continuing to play this uh you a lot of things have changed i think the only thing that really is the same is that you're you're in the same mansion um and there are butterflies but from what i i gathered uh, there's no sister rescuing storyline to it uh, you start the game pretty much in the mansion uh, it's the same uh, in- entryway, and it's the same layout uh, as far as the doors go. But uh, when you go through different doors, they've kind of swapped out some of the rooms a little bit. And of course, the graphics are updated, but but still, I mean, the Saturn didn't really hold up too well either with this game. Uh, the music, I think, was actually a step back. And when you go to to speak to these butterflies, you don't you don't speak to a butterfly like you do on the Sega CD version. There's not a butterfly floating around. You speak to a, a disembodied human head. And uh, from what I gathered from a very overly long chunk of uh, dialogue, uh, there's an old man, and he's, he's called you to the mansion because there's a red moon. I heard the, the words red moon mentioned about 20 times within a matter of minutes. And he's called you to this mansion he does not explain why. I assume that comes further playing of the game. I don't know if I'll ever really get into that one and, and go through it. I just I found it to be very unenjoyable. It did not recapture the magic. <laughs> the, the, the amazing magic that the, the original Mansion of the Hidden Souls had. Uh, for me, I would not, I, I did not like playing through this, this game. For me, if, if you want to make me play a, an adventure game, it's either got to have amazing atmosphere and i think this game looks it has aged so badly that there's barely any atmosphere in it at all um or it's got to have some amazing puzzles in it and like we mentioned before this game only has two puzzles in it in the entire game the rest of it is just wandering around and finding keys 
and and that doesn't make an adventure game to me. That's that's just a glorified tech demo or or a full motion video game. Basically, you're you're literally just pressing uh, the direction you want to go and and hoping something happens. But I could see where this would be pretty neat to play when you were a kid. If I was a kid and played this on Sega CD, I'd, I would have probably been pretty impressed with it. I would have played through it. Um, but as it, playing through it now, I can't put myself in that mindset anymore. And this, this game just kind of comes off as complete junk to me. But I'm sorry, Billy, but I, I think you've, you've just about went full general chaos on this one because I, I don't see any redeeming qualities in this at all. And that's all, you, you never go full general chaos. <laughs> but uh, one man's trash, uh, another man's treasure. And that's this true. this is a this is a true gem to me. I do have one question though about the story because yeah. it's been bugging me. And I'm going to ask you because you are you are the man for uh, Mansion of the Hidden Souls. Sadly, I may be the utmost expert in the world. I think uh, yeah, at this point cuz I actually tried to find this on my own and I couldn't. But what is up with the room with the flowers in it? Are those the, I mean, you're supposed to have these butterflies all over the place, and then you come upon this room right before you find your sister that's been turned into a, a butterfly, and there's just this circle of, like, flowers sitting on top of these pedestals, and they're all talking, like the, the other butterflies. So, I mean, I, you know, I what, have what always, the hell was that? I know what you're talking about. There's, like, a conversation going on, and and it's zooming in. I, yeah, Um and whenever you look at closer, you look at one of these these you know these flowers. Uh, there's more conversation. You know, I had always I have looked that up also in the past. I had always assumed there were supposed to be butterflies there for that, uh, but for some reason they they did not end up in there. Uh, I don't know if that's just a, a programming error or if somebody it was just an oversight or what. But they're they're clearly it seems like you're supposed to be focusing on whatever is talking, whoever is talking. Um, yeah, I, I've, I've got nothing for that. I assume it's just a, a mistake, uh, and there should be butterflies in there, but there, there is not. It wasn't the version you were playing on the, the, you know, the Sega CD version I played. It, it, there's still nothing, nothing there. Um, or if, if you want an excuse, we'll say that, that there's, a, there's a vent, and there's really thin walls, and they're in the next room. <laughs> thin walls. <laughs> Thin walls, always a solution to your, your uh, logic problems in adventuring games. It's an old mansion. I will say, even if it's not a good game, it's a good snapshot of what the Sega CD was doing or was aiming for at the time. I mean, they, they, there's that game, and then I had that awful um, cannibal shooter game. I forgot the name of it. Probably Cannibal Shooter. But it was, it was awful. But it, it was all Corpse full motion video. Yeah, that's it. Corpse Killer. It was all full motion video. It looked terrible. It looked grainy like this. But it was also far less enjoyable than this game was because that game was total garbage that we will never review. So uh, if for nothing else, if you didn't have a Sega CD and you wonder, what would bad full motion video look like on a system that really couldn't handle it anyway? This could be your best game. Yeah. Yeah, I could, I could, I could agree with that one. <laughs> And I think that's the, that's the biggest compliment you guys are going to give this game. I'll take it. I'll take it. <laughs> As a matter of fact, you cannot leave either. Perhaps <laughs> you too can become a butterfly. Living here, consistent, yes. <laughs> so those are our thoughts on Mansion of the Hidden Souls. Clearly, 
not uh, not one of our favorites overall, but it does have its own charm, especially if you played it when you uh, when you were little. However, before we get to what game we're going to play next, do we have listener mail? We do actually. Um, we've got one here from Michael, and uh, in and Michael writes and asks in honor of of the Christmas season. Michael from Louisville, I'm sorry, Louisville. You can tell I, I live pretty close to, to Louisville because I pronounce it as Louisville. Um, sorry, Louisville asks if we have any favorite or least favorite snow levels on older games. Uh, you know, favorites, snow levels are one of those things that I always kind of dreaded, not for the snow as much as the ice. Uh, the, a lot of the ones that were my least favorite because they were so frustrating were... Um, you know, the Mega Man levels that have ice because you would slide and fall off of little platforms. I don't know if any of you guys played Mega Man 8, but there's an ice level in that game that is absolutely infuriating because not only is it very difficult, but it moves so fast because it's a, a game where it's a level where you're kind of forced to shoot la- fast from left to right that you're just sliding all over the place and it's, it's totally miserable and not enjoyable. My favorite, though, is easily DuckTales. The DuckTales snow level is great uh, because... You, uh, you actually sink into the snow when you use your, uh, your pogo stick cane. And for some reason, I thought that was amazing. And I, even when I played the remake of DuckTales, uh, I found that still be enjoyable, despite that it's uh, kind of a pain in the butt when you're trying to actually jump on something. But at least it, it felt like a snow level, and it wasn't uh, a complete detriment to control. Yeah, and the DuckTales one was high on my list. I think my favorite uh, was from Donkey Kong Country, uh, the first one for the Super Nintendo. And it was the, the Snow Barrel Blast. Um, I think it may have been the first snow level on there. And I just remember at the, and you got to recall graphically how amazing Donkey Kong country was when it came out. I I had never seen anything like it before. And the game wows you uh, from the beginning, but it really, it really ups it on this level. Cause not only are there the same, you know, the same graphics going on in the background, the, the really detailed at the time characters, but there's also uh, kind of a weather effect in the front, uh, kind of in the foremost part of the screen. And you start off with like a, a light snow flurry. And as you go on through the stage, as you progress, the snow keeps coming down uh, harder until at the end. Uh, it's, it's really hard to kind of see what's going on in the background because of uh, this blizzard that's taking place now. Uh, incorporate that with uh, it's the it's not the first time the barrels were were used in the game, but it's it's probably the first time they were used that heavily, with the the sheer number of them and having to time uh, all your your shots out of the barrel while this blizzard is taking place. And yeah, it had a little bit of the uh, the, the slipping around and the sliding that comes with all snow levels. But I, I think graphically it was uh, just blew me away at the time. Yeah, that was that was actually a really good level. I, I remember seeing that, uh, or just how impressive that was back in the day, and and just how impressive Donkey Donkey Kong Country was back then as well. Um, I I've got a few. I think my favorite of all time is uh, Breeze Easy Peaks from Banjo Kazooie. Mm. Um, that one's also Christmas themed as well, <clears throat> but I, I really like that one because it really changes up how the game plays. Because up until that point, the game is just a fairly standard 3D platformer. You're just kind of hopping and bopping all over the place. Um, on that one, it takes uh, it takes everything uh, very vertically. Like, there's this huge snowman right in the middle of the level. And uh, you've got a few standard puzzles on the bottom, or things that you need to do on the bottom. Uh, but then a lot of the level is you 
flying to the top of that thing, uh, you know, jumping on top of uh, on top of it, having a race with a walrus, um, uh, shooting some snowmen's hats while you're flying around on Kazooie. Uh, it's a really varied level with what you have to do compared to the rest of the game, and I always really, really enjoyed playing that level. Um, I think my least favorite, and I'll probably get um, yelled at for this one, is the snow level from Super Mario 64. I could not stand that level. The one with the I penguin? Yeah, I, I oh, hated it. Oh, come on. I did not like racing that penguin. I did not like that stage in general because like, you had to make some very very uh, exact movements throughout there and, and you were just sliding all over the place half the mm-hmm. time and I, I just never had fun with that level so that one's probably my least favorite and I just now thought of one I think the entire game is set in, in like a in like the tundra or wherever the hell it is it's like that was the sequel to D on Dreamcast um, I don't know if Jeremy P ever played that one or anybody did, but I remember that one took place uh, almost entirely in the snow. You were like in a cabin or something like that after a plane crash. But that one was that one was pretty cool as well. I'm surprised you didn't bring up your favorite games. Uh, South Park 64 has some great snow levels. <laughs> I try to block that out most days, but yeah, that one is is probably definitely a, a least. I, I can't stand that game. That was terrible. Well, you're in luck because next episode, we're not going to review South Park 64. Uh, but we did want to do something that was either uh, you know, Christmas or holiday themed. And uh, there aren't very many Christmas games. We found a few that were, were possible selections, including uh, the Terrible Grinch game for the PlayStation or Game Boy Color. Uh, we thought maybe Gremlins 2. But I think we're going to go with clearly one of the best holiday film uh, trans- translations to video game of all time, Die Hard Trilogy for the PlayStation. That's one I, I did remember playing when it was new. I don't remember a thing about it, and I'm looking forward to playing it. Uh, I don't know if either of you guys played a lot of it before, or if this is going to be new for you guys as well. I, I have never played I'm a huge fan of the films, at least the, the first couple. Uh, I have never played this game. Is this, is this a translation, or is this, a, uh, is this based on the one in the arcade also? No, this is, uh, this this is, is actually... Die Hard 1, 2, and 3 in their own unique games. Like, they literally made three unique games on one disc, and they are all totally different. And they're all not bad. They're not, I mean, it's not an amazing game from what I remember, but for what they did, it's pretty cool. Well, I'm certainly looking forward to that one, and no matter how the game comes out, I will be very grateful I'm not playing The Grinch. Well, that'll have to save for next year. But until then, please check us out on Retrovania.net. Follow us on Twitter at Retrovaniacs and on Facebook. And we will see you next time.